After 2024, the assembly chamber will no longer be filled with the familiar cadence and timbre of Jeff Aubrey's voice as the Queen's Democrat who was first elected to the People's House in 1992 and has presided over assembly proceedings for the last decade, announced at the end of 2023 that he would not seek another term in office. And Assemblymember Aubrey, who's been described as the current godfather of the progressive criminal justice movement in the state legislature, joins us now to talk about his decision to retire from the Assembly and reflect on his career in the chamber. Welcome to the show, Assemblymember. Thank you for having me. My pleasure to have a chance to chat with you. Well, it's really our pleasure and a pleasure for the listeners because you have such a a great voice. I want to start with uh, the decision not to run again. What was uh, the basis for that? And was it a tough decision to make? A lot of it had to do with health issues that I have had and battled with over the last couple of years. I spent a whole summer, two summers ago in the hospital. And the result of that is I have some continuing problems. And you know, I think it was sort of a message that your time had come. As we approached a, a new election process, I felt it was reasonable and in the best interest of my community to stop, you know, at the end of this term. Um, and I think 32 years seemed to be long enough. Well, given the scope and breadth of the health challenges that you faced in, in recent years, did you ever consider walking away before your term was even scheduled to end? No, I really didn't. I felt like I was going to be, uh, I would be able to adequately fulfill the role. But I knew that, you know, given what my, the diagnosis was, that I wasn't going to get better, quite frankly, better. That is, that is my capacities are not going to get better. And so my sense of I can do this you know, for this last year, and then it would be time to uh, step aside. Well, let's rewind back to where it, it all began in 1992. How did you end up running for the assembly in a special election? The predecessor of my seat was Helen Marshall, who was uh, the assemblywoman, had been the assemblywoman for eight or nine years. I had worked with her in the neighborhood, in the organizations that I'd worked for, and we knew each other. She came to me and said she wanted to go on to the city council and would I consider running for the assembly seat? Um, and it really was that, that, that dialogue. I had worked in my, this community for the most part, for m- most of my career, even though at the time I was director of economic development at the borough's president's office in Queens, but I still had uh, strong connections to the neighborhood, and I felt like it was a step that I was ready to make. Was there a, a difficult adjustment in making that transition? No, not really. I had an understanding of what was going on in Albany. I had connections with uh, Albany. I had been up here on some issues because we were When I was in the not-for-profit world, we were state-funded through the OASIS budget. So I had a sense of what Albany was about and what the lifestyle would be like traveling, you know, during the week back and forth. These are are things that you just have to get used to. There were some good people here when I got here who helped me understand the the process. Uh, Saul Weprin was the speaker. He was from Queens. Uh, Joe Crowley 
was a, a seatmate of mine. Joe and I had played basketball together in Queens. So uh, the transition was made uh, pretty easy. In a 2018 interview with City and State talking about uh, the liberal criminal justice movement at the Capitol, you said that initially uh, in the effort to roll back policies like uh, the Rockefeller drug laws, you felt like you were operating by yourself. And in 2021, you were described uh, by one of your current uh, Democratic colleagues as the uh, godfather of the progressive criminal justice movement in Albany. Given that backdrop, how have attitudes about the criminal justice system changed among state lawmakers during your three decades in the assembly? There was the reluctance to take on the issue when uh, we first started uh, work on Rockefeller. We saw a change in attitude that led to that reform. Um, and subsequent reforms in criminal justice have, have emanated from them. I became chair of corrections and so we took on a number of issues that were, um, I think, important to modify in terms of how corrections uh, operated in this state. Those things, you know, I think made some of the circumstances better. We, we were at the time that I took over corrections, I think there were like 70,000 inmates in our facilities. And now I believe we're down to maybe 30, 35. So there was a change that needed to be made. And we were happy to see that change uh, initiated. And then you, we have now probably today still people who are interested in criminal justice reform and those who are opposed to it. Uh, and there were those opposed to it at the time that I took those things on. So um, maybe it hasn't changed so much. Um, I think it's an important um part of the legislative process to ensure that justice is available to anyone, no matter what their uh, race, color, or creed is. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. We're speaking with Assemblymember Jeff Aubrey, who's served in the chamber since getting elected in a special election in 1992 and has decided not to run for re-election in 2024. So in addition to reforming the state's Rockefeller drug laws, what else would you hope to be remembered for uh, from your time in the assembly, especially outside of the corrections area? Is there anything else that you feel like has made a, a big difference either in the state or specifically in Queens and the neighborhoods that you represent? I was fortunate enough to carry the alienation bill, which was uh, would allow the USTA to expand in Queens, which is in my district. And so that made a change in the district uh, that has led to a whole host of developments, but also a place where the world comes every year in uh, late August, September uh, to watch uh, great, some great athletes compete. And that is, I think, one of the things that I, I would hope to uh, be remembered for. Um, and there have been a lot of things, the expansion of LaGuardia Airport and the rebuilding of LaGuardia Airport, which again is in my district, was also a big project that went on. And happy to see that in that effort through led by the Port Authority and some private developers, the, uh, we saw the largest minority and women-owned program in the history of the state. Some $2 billion out of that project went to minority and women-owned businesses. 
And the, my district is basically a uh, district that is comprised of a minority community. And so it was important to see that kind of involvement from a state agency, state-led effort. So I'm really proud of that. And then on the smaller side, I, I got to rename the, what in Queens was the Interborough Parkway after Jackie Robinson. Uh, and so we now have the Jackie Robinson Parkway. So you do things in this job, uh, large and small, um, their significance hopefully is on the positive side. Well, you mentioned the USTA, the United States uh, Tennis Center expansion in 2013, and, and uh, the, the reference to Jackie Robinson, which makes me think of uh, stories I've heard about your basketball prowess um, back in the day, specifically with some of the pickup games here in Albany. Anything stand out to you from some of those games? Any stories uh, you'd like to share from uh, uh, playing basketball with other state policymakers? I first served under Mario Cuomo, who used to play in those games. And um, Mario was known to be a uh, feisty basketball player. As a matter of fact, I was warned that his elbows were very sharp and they tended, because I was tall and he was shorter, to hit you in very sensitive areas. So playing with him actually got hit one of those areas. But uh, on the next subsequent play, I returned the favor by hitting him with my elbow in the chest. And um, he wasn't happy about that. <laughs> but I think uh, you were, we were two scrappy guys from Queens, so he was used to giving it and taking it in the same way. And then I think we, we started playing Lexington School for the deaf and they would come every year um, and play against the legislators, both assembly and Senate. And I've played in those games and coached in those games. And so that that is always memorable. There were some uh, great young people who came up and shared their time with us and we shared with them. And so I think that was important. And maybe the last, and but as I actually had a heart attack playing basketball uh, here in Albany, it, that's something I'll never forget, but mostly because the when we were playing in the state police academy, uh, the state police had a cert team, which came and really saved my life. Um, and I'll never forget them and the, the work that they did to keep me alive. And uh, I always tell them, there was one of them, and I'm a big guy, but one of them was so big, I felt when, as he was, he stood behind me or was behind me as I was kind of leaning over and they were working on me. And I felt like, boy, this this can't be the safe, can't be but the safest place in the world to be. And so so I there are a lot of memories and a lot of good basketball players, quite frankly, who I met up here. Uh, Jimmy Tedesco, who's in the Senate, was one of the best shooters I think I've ever seen in in uh, sort of the amateur ranks. And after a quick break, we'll have more with Assemblymember Jeff Aubrey, a Queens Democrat who, after more than 30 years in the chamber, has decided not to run for office again. We'll continue our career retrospective after a quick break.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're continuing our conversation with Assemblymember Jeff Aubrey, who after 30 years in the Assembly has decided not to run again. So we talked a little bit before about the evolution of attitudes around criminal justice in the chamber, which may or may not have necessarily changed dramatically. But I'm curious if your own views on anything have changed over the last 32 years, either because of your colleagues or because of the advocates you've engaged with. Are there any issues that stand out to you? When I first got out of college, I taught in a penitentiary in New Mexico. And um, I learned in that experience that the way in which you affect change is by changing the conditions that people operate in, live in. That has been the same, I believe now. I think it applies to a lot of the circumstances that we see. There's a current proposal by the governor to close five more correction facilities in the state. And I wonder whether or not that is wise because some of the smaller facilities that we have have been the most successful in implementing change in the lives of the individuals who are in in those facilities and the staff that works in those facilities. So I think that's a change. I think when we first started closing them, I think there was a, a victory because we were creating a smaller system and maybe that would be more efficient and helpful in terms of rehabilitation. But now I wonder whether or not when we take out these smaller facilities, whether we lose opportunities to change people's lives. And ultimately that is what we should be trying to do. You're now one of the most senior members of the assembly majority. And in your time, you've served as a chair, you were chair of the corrections committee, and now you serve as speaker pro tempore. I'm curious what the difference in those leadership roles is like. I mean, how does your current position compare to say running a committee? In running a committee, you specialize in a given area and you concentrate on the body of work necessary in that area. And the debates about the proposed bills, whether it's been Rockefeller or Stew Bill or any of the number of bills or the Halt Bill that I've carried. But as Speaker Pro Tem, my job is really to ensure that the House runs in a respectful and efficient manner and making sure that debates are conducted in the manner in which our House has traditionally tried to hold and so that people follow the rules and are respectful to each other. We can disagree and we will disagree either between the different sides of the House or in between members, but in order to get the most beneficial outcome, we need to make sure that that disagreement is handled in a way in which respect is shown for everybody's opinion. Well, I have to imagine there is bipartisan agreement that you do an excellent job 
achieving those goals uh, on the floor for the most part. So I'm curious if that skill set of running things from the dais came natural to you or whether it was something that you had to learn and work on to get to the point where you're at now. I hope that I've gotten better at it since I first took over. But two things that probably led me to the job and to some understanding of how to do that. One was in working in my community, I worked in a drug program. And in that, besides I was the educational director, besides going on to be the executive director, but I also spent a lot of time in groups where individuals who were trying to find themselves through the difficulty of drug addiction had to talk to each other and talk about themselves. And in order to effectively do that, they had to handle those conversations in ways they had never done before. These guys were from the streets, and so they were much more used to using their fists than using their mouths. I watched that process. I participated in the process, and maybe that was part of what helped me. I think the other thing is that the basketball games were always with people from different sides of the political aisle. In those times when we played together and played with each other sometimes against other teams, we learned to understand the difference that people can have, but at the same time, put them aside for a common goal. And maybe those are the skills that help in the role I currently have. Do any particularly heated moments stand out to you from your decade running the dais? Oh, there were a lot of heated moments. <laughs> but we've had you know, some very spirited debates and uh, sometimes people would get very heated and you would have to try and calm that down and try and remind people of the decorum that it should be. One of the representatives from New York City, Charles Barron, had a way of igniting uh, a, a great deal of consternation on everybody's part. You would have to try and make sure that everybody understood what the rules of the house were. Well, speaking of the rules, did your mandate as Speaker Pro Tempore change from Speaker Sheldon Silver to Speaker Carl Hasty? Did, did the job and what you were expected to do differ at all? No, I think it's been the same through both. Uh, Carl has allowed me to do what he saw me doing under Shelley. And for the most part, I think that role was required in, in both set of circumstances. Both pretty much said, do what you do. Well, finally, you spent 32 years in the chamber, and there's often a debate about the merits of term limits. Do you think that that is the way moving forward, where people should have the latitude to serve as long as voters are, are willing to send them to Albany? Or do you think there is some merit to the idea of term limits? In the Assembly, I have always opposed term limits, and I don't think I've changed my opinion. There's a certain period of, of time that it takes to understand the specialty that you will take up and the general, you have to learn about the whole state. It isn't as if you come from one small county or even a big city where you may have knowledge. You have to understand all of the complexities that make up this great state. And I think it takes time and effort. I am now third or fourth longest serving. 
the change in the assembly has been significant in these 32 years. People come and they leave. And so uh, either by their own decision or by the decision of the people. And to me, that's a more natural way in which to do it. We run every two years. We're constantly in front of the people of our districts and their ability to, to judge whether we should stay or not, I think is their right, as opposed to some artificial number. When you have some of the really outstanding legislators that have been around for a long time, to artificially have lost that skill and talent doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think it does the state any more justice. And so while at the local level, maybe that works, when you come to looking at the state uh, as a whole and the work that uh, both chambers have to do, Senate and Assembly, I think that uh, the process of maintaining this two-year cycle is the best. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Uh, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Jeff Aubrey. He is a Queens Democrat who was first elected to the People's House in 1992 and is not running for re-election in 2024. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. My appreciation to you for taking the time to have the chat. Thank you so very much. Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.